0: Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Dennis Gardone. Dennis lives in New Jersey, where he is an aspiring chef who currently works in a hospital. Welcome, Dennis.
1: Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today. So, you know, I like to start off by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting? And when was that?
1: Okay, this was uh, my intermittent fasting journey began in April of 2016.
0: Oh, that's a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when I moved to Hawaii, actually. I signed a two year contract to live and work in Hawaii.
0: That you know, somebody's gotta do it, right? You gotta hate that. (laughs) I would like to have a two year contract in Hawaii.
1: (laughs) It wasn't like the Hawaii we all know of, you know, Honolulu. It was more it was a a small private island called Lanai where there's only three thousand inhabitants and it's a very quiet peaceful, serene, and beautiful island.
0: So what brought you there? What type of work were you doing?
1: My old chef called me up and said, hey, I need a cook to help me out. And I said yes. And uh, next thing I knew, I was in Hawaii for two years.
0: So was it kind of like a resort kind of a setting? Yes,
1: it was the Four Seasons, five-star, classy, incredible, dreamlike vacation destination for the rich and famous.
0: Wow, yeah, that sounds fancy. That does sound like a Hawaiian dream. So, you moved there in April of 2016, and then what happened?
1: And then I wrote down four goals that I wanted to accomplish in the next two years, and one of them was to lose 100 pounds because at the time I weighed 275 pounds.
0: Is that common in kitchens? Do you see? I mean, is when when you're cooking, when you're a chef,
1: common to have a, to
0: be overweight to have a weight issue? Because I've often wondered that myself, you know, like being around food all the time, constantly tasting and enjoying.
1: I think it's pretty much a mirror of the outside world, outside of the okay. kitchen. And like what I've noticed growing up, I was the only fat kid growing up. But now I feel like, you know, what are the numbers? I mean, you know the numbers. I don't know.
0: It's huge, right? Yeah, it's like I can remember early in my teaching career, you know, I started teaching in 1990. There were not a lot of overweight kids. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went by, as the decades went by from 1990 till when I retired, and I guess it was 2018, yeah, the number of overweight kids really went up so that it's no longer uncommon. It's really, really common. Right. Okay. So your goal was to lose 100 pounds. 100 pounds
1: without even knowing what that even means or like, you know, I was just it's an arbitrary number. I just want to, I was 275. I want to be a, 175 and fit into a medium shirt. Right. You know, so what I did was I started journaling and uh, I Googled fitness, weight loss, you know, things of that nature, yep. and I ran across the Hodge twins, which are two brothers who are weightlifters, and they they would talk about intermittent fasting all the time, and it was new to me.
0: Now that's f- I've never heard of the Hodge twins. That You've is never shocking. heard of the Hodge no! twins. I have not. Maybe because they're weightlifting. I don't know, though. I mean, you know, Brad Pilon I know of from the, the weightlifting community. You know, a few names. but And
1: uh, Greg O'Gallagher.
0: Yeah, but never seen the Hodgson. Maybe because I don't watch YouTube videos. Mm. Is that why? Are they, They're big on YouTube. Yeah, you don't listen to
1: podcasts either, I right?
0: I don't. See, I'm crazy about <laughs> that. I, I've always been, you know, I would read things. I read books. If they had a book, I was probably going to know about them. That's how I know about Brad Pilon, because he had a book. Right. So yeah, so they were big on YouTube and they were doing intermittent fasting.
1: And they would make these hilarious videos, but their content was dead serious about intermittent fasting and how how helpful it is for bodybuilders and just normal people. And they would eat like whatever they wanted, anything. They they would document them going to like, you know, uh, fast food drive-thrus and they would be eating tons of food, like all the great stuff. And their only thing was, is they had a window of when they could eat that's all
0: right and they were working out in the fasted state
1: yeah which to me was crazy because you know right breakfast being important and just you know fueling your metabolism all the stuff that we grew up learning these guys were doing the opposite of and they're and if you look at them they're like massively huge guys
0: They're buff and they're, you know, muscular, right? I can, I'm just imagining. I don't, I'm going to look them up after this. I'm going to be looking up the Hodge twins.
1: You will love it because they're hilarious too. Well, I
0: like that. Maybe I have seen something they did. Now I'm trying to, I'll know when I look it up, but it's possible that I've run across something and just didn't realize that was their name. Yeah. But, you know, since I don't watch videos, you know, (laughs) that lets me out.
1: (laughs) So they just told me to uh, just have a smaller eating window than have a smaller eating window than a fasted window. Right. I just started playing around. I, I started just by skip or moving breakfast, not even skipping breakfast, just moving it one hour every day. So first day I'd wake up at 9, 9 a.m. I would have breakfast at 10 as opposed to the first 42 years of my life. I would wake up and have a bowl of cereal or have right. bacon and eggs or whatever. I would just baby step it. I would... I would have breakfast at 10 and then the next day I have it at 11. And the first day is the hardest, but it just got easier and easier.
0: That's a great way to do it. Just gradually stepping it up. And you don't even have to do it like an hour every day. You could, Someone could do it even, you know, do 15 minutes today and 30 minutes the next and right. stay there for a while. Yeah. Ease your way in.
1: If you tell somebody that now, they're going to look at you like, skip breakfast or move it an hour. What are you, crazy? I'm starving, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So it's really difficult. I don't even know how to tell anybody to begin the program, but that's just what I did.
0: In my new book, Fast Feast Repeat, I have several different ways that people can ease in during the first 28 days. There are three different ways that they can ease in to the eating window approach and over the four weeks of the first 28 days. So they can choose one of those three ways and they can, you know, jump right in. If they're like the rip the bandaid off kind of people, it's it's a, Mm -hmm. you know, a faster approach or they can ease their way in. There's an easy way. And then there's a kind of in the middle approach that they can do. So people can read the 28 day fast start of fast feast repeat. Yeah.
1: Nice. I need to read it.
0: Well, it we're recording this before it is actually out. We're recording this Mm -hmm. at the end of April, but the book is scheduled to be out June 16th. So by the time this podcast airs, it will be out, and I hope that people are reading it. <laughs> so you can go ahead and pre-order it now, Dennis, and then have it read by then. So, okay. All right. So you just gradually eased your way in. So what was the eating window length you were shooting for at the beginning?
1: I wasn't really shooting for it. I just wanted to see how like each hour would go. And then eventually, I skipped breakfast altogether and waited till I got to work
0: and ate. And was that like lunchtime? You were eating lunch?
1: That was at 2 o'clock Okay. when I got to work. And then eventually I skipped that. And then our break was at 4 o'clock. And then that's when I started eating from 4 to when I went to bed.
0: Yeah, to me, that's a really great eating window time for my life. Like I feel better all day long if I'm not eating. And then when I open my window after 4, it just really – it gives me the energetic part of the day, and then I can, you know, really enjoy my dinner. I have a question for you. Yeah, shoot. This is because we get this all the time. We get people asking, how do I cook in the fasted state without tasting everything that I'm eating? So I was thinking I had to ask you this question. What do you do?
1: The first two hours of my shift didn't really involve tasting food. Ah. It involved setting up stuff. Prep Prep work. Okay. Butchering fish and yeah, you know, cutting vegetables for later on at service.
0: And I bet you're practically at the point where you just hardly have to even, I mean, you just know you're going on instinct with your seasoning and everything.
1: Yes. And you know what? If I had, if my chef said, Hey, give this a taste, I would say, I wouldn't say, Hey, I'm intermittent fasting, you know?
0: Right. You'd be like, All right.
1: Yeah. I would, (laughs) that was a big rule of mine. I was like, Career comes first. Yes. If my chef says, taste something, I always tasted something. But perfect.
0: I was just curious because, you know, we do get that. People are like, hey, I'm cooking. What do I do? And so, you know, if you're at the home with your family, you could be like, here, taste this. Try this. Person yeah. that lives in my house with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you were eventually, you were waiting till four o'clock.
1: Four o'clock was our family meal. So I would, and by that time, I was feeling like ravenous and like just almost euphoric. Like I felt so incredible. Like any even to to this day, the tail end of my fast is just like prime time. I feel great.
0: You're right. You know, I recently had noticed that I was starting to open my window a little earlier and I was missing out on that, you know, hour 19, hour 20 feeling. And so I'm like, you know, it's time for me to rein it in just a little bit. And I was like, wow, I forgot how great this feels just because I had not really been getting there. I'd been maybe opening at 18 a lot of days. So yeah, between 19 and 20 is a really huge difference for me.
1: Yeah, I love it. And I would, in fact, I would fast, if I wouldn't take medication, I would probably fast like, you know, two, three, four days, but.
0: <laughs> you need to take the medication. Definitely. If you, yeah. Do you have to take yours with food?
1: I do. So the longest I've ever pushed was, I think, maybe 48 hours.
0: All right. So you arrange your all of your medication taking so that it's within your eating window?
1: Yes, ma'am. As soon as I eat uh, my first meal, I take Perfect. all of them. Yeah. Perfect. And I, I feel incredible and great. And I mean, it's really indescribable how I feel. And when people say how I'm doing, it's never... Fine, thanks anymore. It used to be fine, thanks. Now it's like I try to find every three syllable word that I can find to describe how I feel
0: because it's so good.
1: Because it's like spectacular or fantastic or amazing, and everybody's like, "What are you on?" You know, <laughs>
0: like <laughs> I love it. So, your goal was to lose a hundred pounds, and so yeah. this was twenty sixteen when you started. Yes, ma'am. How did the weight loss go? Tell us about that.
1: Let me tell you, the first, I was losing maybe two pounds a week. Yep. And I couldn't believe it. My chef would come and pick me up and I'd be like, hey, I lost another pound overnight. And he would just be like, what are you doing? (laughs) So flash forward three months later, 30 pounds down from 275 pounds.
0: Awesome, And you know, two pounds a week is really a fast rate of loss.
1: I mean, apparently when you're a larger individual, it happens faster, right?
0: It certainly can. You know, it depends. Mm -hmm. Some people who have been overweight for a really long time actually find it takes a little longer for them to start seeing great results, which is, you know, the opposite of what we expect from like, you know, quote diets, because,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, we're used to having huge weight loss at first and then it peters out. But with intermittent fasting, it's different because you're teaching your body to do something new. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, first you've got to, you know, get insulin down. And if someone's been overweight for a really long time, it's likely that they are insulin resistant, especially if they're pre-diabetic or if they know they're type 2 diabetic. And, you know, getting that insulin down takes time.
1: Yeah. I also did something. I decided to quit eating sugar or like at least try to quit eating sugar just because from what I started to read on the internet from like Dr. Robert Lustig and he, right. So what I did was six days out of the week, I would be zero added sugar. I wouldn't add it to my coffee. I wouldn't, I tried to not drink like sodas and like Gatorade and vitamin water. So for six days out of the week, I would be free of added sugar. And then on Sunday I'd be like, I would allow myself to have whatever, you know, I felt whether it be ice cream or, you know, cakes.
0: You think that approach worked well for you?
1: I mean, I just ran with it. I was like, let me just keep doing this because I was having such great luck with it. And then what happened was, is every Sunday turned into every other Sunday because I didn't really crave it anymore. And then every every other Sunday became once every month. And then eventually, My Sunday rolled around and I ate junk and I felt like garbage.
0: So you didn't want to feel that way.
1: Did not want to feel that way. So I just like, I pretty much have eliminated added sugar from my life, which is pretty crazy because it's in everything.
0: You know, I think that a lot of us do struggle with sugar for me You know, I've talked about it on the podcast a million times. It's I realized there was a connection between the struggle I'd had for years with restless legs and sugar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I naturally don't like to feel that way. So, you know, I did make some black bean brownies yesterday, which were delicious. And they have they do have sugar. But it's interesting how those did not bother me. You know, they probably have like they're not made with refined flour. They didn't have much sugar. Mm -hmm. But I was curious as to how it would be because it does have some real sugar, but zero problems with the restless legs. And I was thrilled.
1: That's great news.
0: It was great news because if I'd made regular brownies, I know I would have (laughs) had the problem. But, you know, I do still have, you know, like a little something sweet every now and then, but I don't want to feel bad. And that's Uh the thing. You know, I'm not going to eat something and then feel terrible. It feels so powerful for that to be my motivation. I want to feel good.
1: There's nothing tastes as good as healthy feels.
0: Right. You know, I love that, you know, we've all seen or heard the saying nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, but the way that you just said it, I like it about a thousand bazillion times. more. <laughs> 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 nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. You're right. Yeah. Because, you know, if those black bean brownies had given me restless legs, I'd be like, all right, those are off my list just because I don't like the way this feels.
1: Mm-hmm. My dessert nowadays is like a banana or like blueberries, and they are just finely sweet enough.
0: Yeah. And for me, dates, I've talked about that before, but dates with peanut butter, I mean, they taste so sweet.
1: They're almost too sweet, dates. Yeah, they're they're
0: very sweet, (laughs) but so good. You have to
1: cut them with something that's like, yeah, I would eat them with coffee beans, actually. Ooh,
0: dates with coffee beans?
1: And like macadamia nuts.
0: Okay, now that's super interesting. I'll have to try that. I do have coffee beans, although that might keep me awake. So I don't know. <laughs> I'll be like, why am I awake all night now,
1: all of a sudden? Yeah, <laughs> I maybe need one. Date? Just try one. Like,
0: okay, I'll try it. Maybe I'll have it early in my eating window just for the taste to see how it goes.
1: Because it's something so super sweet and cloy mixed with something so bitter and like you wouldn't even dream about biting into
0: Well, I'm I'm definitely going to try it. You just stick the coffee bean right in there.
1: Yeah, or just eat them one right after another.
0: All right, I'm going to try it. I'm (laughs) going to try it and I will report back and let you know. (laughs)
1: Awesome. (laughs) So did
0: you lose 100 pounds? That's what I want to know.
1: So after three months, it was 30 pounds. So you know what I did not knowing anything was like, all right, let me do the math. In nine months, I'll be down 90 pounds. But it doesn't happen that way.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, so you that, that <laughs> I was like, oh, Dennis, that's, <laughs> that's what we think, though. You know, we think that it's going to be a linear progression and the rate right. is going to be the, st- the same and that it's, yep. Yeah, so that did not happen. Did not Weight happen. loss is not a math equation as much as we want it to be.
1: No, but like my, this journey began like that. Like even in my journal, right. it's it's all about like, I it, two slices of bread equaling this many calories. And I I walk this many miles and burnt this many calories. And like, I have like, you can see the math I did on the side. right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like the calories in and calories out. And like, I thought it was working. Like it was working for a while until your body's like, you know what? This like two mile walk to the grocery store is not, (laughs) it's not happening anymore. You're going to have to like, step it up somehow
0: all right so the weight loss really slowed down
1: yeah but it didn't slow down like to where i gave up it just it it slowed down to where i was like all right what can i do next or what can i like tweak in my diet or what can i like how can i move more or how can i you know maybe close my window more and like it's great because you, you learn to figure out you know what you you need to do to feel better and to keep it moving
0: Exactly. Like my tweaks, I know if I decided I wanted to lose more weight, there would be less wine in my life, you know, and you realize what holds you back? You know, what are the things that you know, for you it was sugar making the difference. So Mm -hmm. what other things did you tweak at that point?
1: Well, mind you, I was eating whatever I wanted, which means like pork rinds and like bagels with cream cheese and just like anything, like the Hodge twins told me, you can go drive you can go to a drive-through and eat like the nuggets and the burgers and the. So I was eating all of that.
0: So would you say that you were overeating?
1: No, because I only had four p.m. to about midnight to eat, and that that's like only what, like maybe two meals for me. And I, yeah, it wasn't that. It just I don't know. I guess my body just got used to my routine of the day, okay. and like it, it maybe slowed down to like a pound a week, which is okay.
0: Still not bad at all. That's a yeah. that's
1: pretty incredible. You know, if I could lose a pound a week now, I would love it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, long story short, I didn't lose the hundred pounds. I maybe lost uh, fifty or sixty, and then after the two years, I moved back to the mainland, back here to New Jersey, and continued with my intermittent fasting, and started lifting weights because now I'm about two hundred and. 20 pounds, maybe 225 and like started lifting weights and, or actually, no, I I went down to about 200 pounds and started lifting weights. And what I found was I was actually gaining weight.
0: Right. Of course, you know, muscle mass, right?
1: Yeah. But the great news is like, I was starting to fit into clothes that like, you know, people gifted me over the years that I didn't have the heart to exchange or return. Like the larges and the extra larges that uh, I couldn't wear when I was a 3X started to fit. And I was like, so I just kept going with the intermittent fasting. In fact, I, I closed my window even more and, uh, and felt even more great to wear. Now,
0: Did you ever get down to that? I know you said at one point you wanted to be a medium.
1: I wanted to be a large. I never.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know where that medium came from out of my brain.
1: I said, <laughs> I might have said medium.
0: Okay. I might be making that up. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Can I rewind to a story about- Oh, please
0: I, do. Yeah. When I
1: got to the island of Hawaii or of Lanai, I told my, my chef had to order me chef coats. Cause, right. So I ordered a triple X in April. And by the time they got to me, in, I, it took months because Lanai is a wacky place where- like you need a barge to get your stuff and it's just a crazy place. But I, I got it maybe two, three months later and I put it on and it was like a tent.
0: Oh, wow. That's great.
1: Yeah. But I wore it because.
0: <laughs> I mean, that. what else are you going to do? You're going to have to, I guess, you know, have someone take it up for you or something. If <laughs> someone, yeah. someone on Lanai could sew, they could <laughs> make you a new
1: one. So I would have to cinch it and it looked yeah. ridiculous, but I was like this is great. This is like, I don't care how ridiculous it looks because now I'm probably an extra large chef coat. Okay. And this was a three X chef coat that was pretty much useless to me, but uh, I wore it anyway and finally got my extra large chef coat and uh, couldn't believe that I could fit into an extra large. I can go shopping at like normal stores. You know, I don't have to settle for what they have on the very end of the three X aisle, you know, yeah,
0: that's such a good feeling cuz so I can remember those days too going shopping and you know in the the ladies department there's a lot of difference between what you can find in the regular department versus when you have to cross over to plus size. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't know, things could be different now. I haven't worn a plus size or, you know, that it's been since 2014, 2015 for me. So, you know, maybe the clothing choices are getting better, but back then you know, it was just, it seemed like all the clothes were designed just to like hide the fat, but they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. they just were bigger and, and they, I don't know. It's like there was no style mm-hmm. to them and it was sad.
1: Another side note on sizes is when I was in like middle school, I remember going shopping for like an extra large and like, and then I found out that I, I would outgrow the extra large and I would need something larger. And then the next thing I know, I go to this store and there's a, there's a two extra large, like it didn't happen before. Like,
0: like they didn't even have those sizes, right? They
1: didn't even have those sizes. And they would, they would have like a, a two X, three X in the store. And I was like, it was almost as if they were encouraging or like it was, you know, they needed, they had to supply 2X, 3X for people because there's people buying this stuff.
0: Yeah, I can remember when I was a little girl in the 70s and the 80s, I have an uncle with Fragile X Syndrome. I'm pretty sure I've talked about him before on the podcast, but he was always in the 70s and the 80s. He was always overweight. He doesn't have those I'm full satiety signals because he's got Fragile X. And so he's, you know, it's it's a genetic condition. But He had to shop at a very specialty store like there was one in the town and they had to order things for him, you know, in his size because no one was as big as he was. But what is so shocking is that he's still the same size now in 2020 that he was in the 70s and the 80s. And we go out with him now and he is not the biggest person in the room. He doesn't even look that big. He looks normal. Mm hmm. And he can buy clothes at Walmart like everybody else, you know? So times really have shifted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Now, I understand you've also had some health changes, some health issues over time.
1: Yeah. This was even before I moved to Hawaii. I had a, I actually had cardiac arrest where I, I was playing tennis and I collapsed onto the court because I was a 275 pound mess.
0: So you would say that this, the, the cardiac issues were related to your size? I'm sure. Yeah.
1: You know, you don't collapse on a tennis court at the age of 30, whatever. No. Unless, you know.
0: So how has that changed since intermittent fasting?
1: Well, I do still take the medication. But back then, I, I always, like, I would feel, it was like a roller coaster ride of emotions my day. And uh, like where I'd feel okay in the morning, and then I'd feel great, and then I'd feel terrible. But nowadays, when I wake up, I'm like up here. When I wake up, until like the second I go to bed, and I I'm out like a light. As soon, my sleep has greatly improved. But like you know, now I'm just always I feel amazing all the time now, which is not what I used to feel.
0: Yeah, I get that completely because I remember every day being a, a struggle, kind of like slogging through the day. You know, right. Like- And then I would take a nap. Yeah,
1: I don't even nap anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of miss those naps, but I don't like – my body doesn't want to take a nap. My body wants to, like, get more stuff done. uh
0: Yeah, I used to come home from work. At the end of, you know, the school day, I would be, you know, of course, eating and snacking and drinking those sweetened coffees all day. And then I would come home from work, and I would be so exhausted that I would be like, all right, family, leave me alone. I need to just (laughs) take a nap. Like – Back in the days, you know, like afternoon talk show on the TV, I would turn the TV on, close the bedroom door, and like try to nap.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, without hearing my kids, I'm like, "Y'all just leave Mama alone for a little while. I need a little time." And <laughs> <laughs> but it was every day I needed to just come home from work and lay down. Right. Then I started fasting, and then that didn't happen anymore. I came home from work, and I had I was full of energy, mm-hmm. and then you know, no more naps.
1: Did you experience the euphoria that I felt like initially? Because it's like, like, I still feel great every day, but I feel like maybe in the first few months, I was just like, almost like high off of it.
0: I think that it's just such a striking difference from what we were used to before. So, and then as we get used to it, we don't, but it's just our norm, Mm. you know, so you're, you're not as aware because you have been feeling it for so many years. Right. That's what I think. I think we still feel it. We just don't recognize it because it becomes our default. Right. Although like I did say, I was, you know, I've been stretching my fast just a little longer recently just because, mm-hmm. you know, here we are end of April. We've had, you know, the lockdown. I was starting to open earlier and, mm-hmm. you know, just getting to 19 and 20, 21 hours I'm like, okay. There's that good feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do still feel it. How long is your window now? Would you say?
1: Currently, I get home at uh, right before eight o'clock, and I I start eating at eight p.m.
0: Okay, so you've got a really late window.
1: I go to the Melanie Avalon School. <laughs>
0: there you go. I was just thinking that. <laughs> At 8 p.m., I'm like on the couch with my husband. We're watching TV usually at night. And at nine, I start to like, my eyes start to get heavy. (laughs) Mm. I am just really, though, all those years of teaching school, plus, I think that's my normal way to be. person. I wake up early in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. bright eyed and bushy tailed. That's just even even now. You know, the other day I slept really late. I want you to guess what time I woke up and it was really late.
1: Really late and you woke up early your morning person 6 a.m. I'm guessing Well I
0: slept really late till six forty five.
1: <laughs>
0: and I woke up I'm like, oh my gosh, it's six forty five. <laughs> so
1: oh at night you went to bed at night at six forty five.
0: No, no, no. I woke up really late for me and it was 6.45. I went to bed at my normal time, probably 9.30 or 10, but I slept really late and was able to sleep till 6.45 in the morning. So
2: mm.
1: that's just what a
0: morning morning person I am. So you open your window at about 8 p.m. How late do you stay up?
1: I stay up till midnight, but okay. I pretty much, I don't really, I'm, like my sleep closes my window nowadays. And I feel like I've tried... To wake up and eat. And I just, I, I don't know. Like, I've heard that maybe having an eating window first thing is more beneficial uh, for health, but I just can't do it. I just can't because I feel like if I'm awake at 11 at night, I'm going to like, feel like eating something.
0: Yeah, that's the same with me. I don't care if they did a study, which they haven't done yet, they have not yet done you know, a long enough study or a study that really compares early window to late window Mm -hmm. with all other factors being equal. We have a really short one that they did. I talk about this in fast feast repeat. It's really short and they found no difference, but between the, you know, the health markers of the people who had the early window and the later window, but it was really short. We need longer term, you know, because Mm -hmm. really so much of it is just the adjustment period. By the time the study's over, people are just barely adjusted to fasting. But even if they did a conclusive study that said, yep, the best time to have your eating window is 8 a.m. to whatever, I wouldn't do it because it doesn't feel right for my lifestyle.
1: Good. I'm glad you said that because I would much rather delay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's easier for me because once I open my window, I have a harder time closing it. And I also know that when I eat early in the day, I feel more tired and draggy. Right. And that's when I need a nap. Like if I'm on vacation and we go out to brunch, Mm -hmm. because, you know, heck, I'm on vacation. I'm going to eat at a delicious restaurant. I'm going to have a longer window. But if I go out to brunch, like I can remember we went to brunch with my son, Cal, and his now wife, Kate, they were not married yet, but it was when he graduated from college. We, after the graduation ceremony, we went out to brunch. And then on the way home, I like took a nap in the car. My husband was driving, not me, <laughs> but I, I like, took a nap and, you know, it, was it worth it to eat the brunch? Of course it was. It was family. It was a special event. But so even if they said conclusively early window is better for this reason, I'm still not going to do it.
1: Right. I agree.
0: I do want them to do the research. That would be fabulous. And I want them to do it with people, not rats, because, <laughs> you know, rats out there, they've got a whole different circadian rhythm than than humans do.
1: There's that term I heard. Yeah. That that's what I heard. Circadian
0: rhythm?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think rats are nocturnal. So it really, whatever works with rats, we would expect it to be the opposite for humans probably. I think they're nocturnal, are they? Do you know?
1: I'm not even sure.
0: I'm not sure either, but I could imagine that they would be. But anyway, I certainly wouldn't imagine rats would have the same um sleep wake cycle as people. Anyway, it would surprise me if they did. So you really do have a late window. You and Melanie could share a meal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wonder if it's something about being in the restaurant industry, because that's how hers got started. You know, working as a server in a restaurant, she realized that she felt better working through her shift in the fasted state. And then when work was over, that is when she would eat.
1: I'm sure. Because I, like, as soon as I eat, I just want to relax.
0: Me too. I want to relax. You know, that's what I do. I fast i get all my work done and then i have my snack or cook dinner and then i eat and then i you know i don't want to do any work after that
1: you've run into people that do it the other way around or where they eat first
0: i have you know there are definitely people who like a morning window and then they feel plenty energetic during the day really and, yeah yeah And I believe them. You know, when they say they eat their window or they have their morning window, they open with a creamy coffee. They love it. They have their early meal. They might finish by about 10 a.m., close their window, and they feel great the whole rest of the day. And I 100% believe them. But I would be having a nap at 11 and then...
1: (laughs) Right. And then be like, hey, maybe I, I, you know, before I go to bed, I I just kind of like maybe need to snack on
0: something. So. See, me too. I wouldn't have been able to sleep doing that. Like whenever I've tried, like early on in my fasting experience, when I was really trying to do, you know, keep my window short and have it. If I went out to lunch, I can remember going out to lunch with teachers and maybe, you know, we had lunch and then I was like, this is going to be my one meal today. And then I was fine with, after a big lunch with my teacher friends. But then like eight hours later, I'm starving and can't sleep. If I'm, mm-hmm. you know, trying to go to bed. So that just didn't work for me.
1: Yeah. And sleep.
0: <laughs> Every time I've ever tried it, I, I ended up eating again because I was hungry.
1: <laughs> Sleeping is a good way of not eating. <laughs>
0: well, that's true. That's <laughs> but I don't like to go to bed hungry. Right. And for me, I, I really can't sleep. You know, If I go to bed hungry, then I feel like ketosis and the energy and it just makes me feel that wired feeling that doesn't feel good. Right. So, you know, you're on a a later train than me, but I'm, you know, all more power to those of us who just are going to have our window that feels right for us, no matter when that is. That's really what I think.
2: Exactly.
1: And you you just have to listen to your body because I'm just, I'm really just not hungry until I get home.
0: Yep. And you stay productive at work and then you eat and then you're, you're able to sleep well and you feel good. That to me is the key. If you feel good, and you're able to sleep well and you're productive during the day. That's a sign that things are going well with your body. I think our bodies let us know when something doesn't work. Right. So have you had any other health benefits other than, you know, your cardiac issues? Anything else that you can pinpoint?
1: Other than the fact that I can, I just feel great. I feel so much energy when I, when I you know, before the lockdown, I would play tennis. I'd play longer more often.
0: Like, feel you're able to have the endurance better in the fasting state. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's how I feel too. And
1: people, you know, people look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I, I tell them I haven't eaten since last night, and they're like, what? what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you need this granola bar that I have in my purse? Right. Right.
1: right? <laughs> and like, yeah. there's nothing more that I want. I don't want that at all. I don't want to even yeah. look at, you know? It's amazing because, you know, I, I'm surrounded by food, you know, but the industry I work in and, like, I don't even – or if I go to, like, a Starbucks and see, like, the case, I walk right past it. I don't even, like, ogle at it anymore. And, and...
0: I look at it with interest. Like, I go I, – before the <laughs> lockdown, every Saturday, I had a group here in Augusta, a group of ladies. We get together every Saturday and we go to Starbucks and we have our, our coffee or our tea or whatever the other ladies are drinking. Some of them are drinking water. Mm-hmm. One of the ladies is a nurse, and she comes off of her night shift and joins us. And, of course, we haven't been doing that for a while. I've really missed it. Hopefully, by Mm. the time this episode comes out, we've been able to resume it. But while I'm standing there, if I'm waiting in line, I will look at that case of food with interest, and I'm like, that just doesn't appeal to me. Mm. Like, you know, I bet those muffins are good. Right. And that that little breakfast thing. That would be just <laughs> enough to make my stomach mad though. Like those little <laughs> breakfast bite things. And like I would need to have like five of those <laughs> little breakfast bites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would not not satisfy me one single bit. I like when I eat, I like to eat, you know, a substantial amount. So the days of eating tiny little amounts throughout the day were not fun for me.
1: Yeah. Do you still eat like uh, junky stuff or
0: you know my tastes have really changed a lot. Absolutely. I eat whatever I want. Right. <laughs> but what I want is is different. You know, I right. had a homemade burger the other day. It was a burger. It was on white bread bun. I think it was a potato bun actually, but you know they made with I don't know potato flour, is that what they do? It just it came in one of the meal kits that I use and it was delicious and I had homemade potato salad with it, but also like this zucchini. You know, and that that's the kind of food that I want to eat now. Mhm. It was, you know, homemade burger with high quality meat and a high quality bun and high quality, you know, side ingredients versus I don't want to drive through and get a burger from a drive through window because it's not window worthy.
1: Window worthy. Yeah. yeah I, I just hope everybody gets to that point where you still are eating exactly what you want, but your wants have changed.
0: Right. I like the way that I made black bean brownies because I like them better. You know, yes, I'm certain that black bean brownies are, you know, quote, healthier, but that's not why I made them. You know, I, I know beans are very good for you. They have a lot of fiber. And I also was very curious how my restless legs would respond. But the fact that they did not cause me a problem lets me know, hey, this is a good thing for me. But I actually like them better than, you know, a regular brownie. And i am also gotten back into baking bread. I had gotten off the bread wagon for a while of baking the, you know, milling my own wheat. And so I've, the place that I was buying my wheat went out of business in here locally. It was an earth fair. Do y'all have earth fairs up there? No, it was, it's a store. We don't have a Whole Foods. We don't have a Trader Joe's. All we had was earth fair for a long, long time, but then earth fair closed. And so I couldn't, you know, here in Augusta, I couldn't buy grain. So I finally, I ordered a 45 pound drum (laughs) of wheat. (laughs) (laughs) And it came in the mail. It was, boy, it costs a lot to ship a 45-pound drum of wheat, but I got it. So I'm grinding my own wheat again and, you know, making my bread from that. And it's just so delicious. So that's, you know, that's how my tastes have changed. I never stopped eating bread, but now I would rather grind my own wheat into flour and make it fresh. Right. I like to call it becoming a food snob. Yeah. So have you found that your tastes have changed?
1: Oh my gosh! Like immensely, I love vegetables now, and you know yeah, maybe maybe partially because no offense to my late mother, but she maybe she overcooked them or just didn't cook them right. But I just never liked Brussels sprouts at the time, but now they're like my favorite because I I kind of know how to cook them.
0: Yeah, and bless my mother's heart, but she is a terrible cook. I'm just gonna go right out and say it: she's a terrible cook. <laughs> my grandmother was a good cook, but. Both of my grandmothers, they were amazing cooks. You know, they could make homemade biscuits from scratch that were just perfect. You know, there are no biscuits like in the South, right? We have different flour down here, which is why. But different, you know, different wheat grows down here. But my mother was an awful cook. She made Brussels sprouts like the frozen kind Mm. instead of the fresh ones. Gross. Like canned asparagus. That's the kind of asparagus she would use. Mm. I'm sure you've had canned asparagus.
1: I've seen it, but I
0: have Have you not ever had it? Never had it. It is like not like asparagus at all. It, it It's completely, <laughs> completely like a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. It is nothing like real asparagus, but that's what she she would buy the canned asparagus and serve that. And it's like the vegetables have just given up. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Like last night with dinner, we had roasted carrots. I roasted them. And that was like the first thing I started eating was the carrots.
1: Yeah. The vegetables really don't get their, they don't get any respect in our culture, in our, you know, I feel like they're the side dish.
0: Yeah. And now I'm really, you know, I've I've totally changed. And if the, if the meal doesn't have a lot of vegetables, I'm... Check out. Yeah. I, I want to add some more to it. You know, like when my husband would want to go out to eat somewhere, we don't right. go out very much, especially right now. Of course, all the restaurants right. are closed since it's still April, but... When he would want to go out to eat, I'd be like, I don't want to go there. Like, there was a place that it's local to Augusta and I love it, or I loved it. It's called Reinhardt's. It's an oyster bar. And, but they don't have a single, I mean, you can get an iceberg lettuce salad. That's it. Mm. They have fried onion rings, you know, but there's zero vegetables on the menu. I'm like, I can no longer go there, Chad. I'm sorry. I'll go sit with you. You eat. I'll drink a beer. We'll sit out in the sun. I need to eat something else. (laughs)
1: This
2: is
0: not going to be a meal for me. It's kind of sad in a way because I used to love to go there, but
2: yeah. This episode is brought in part to you by audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales. Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio only thriller, Or text WonderyPod to 500500 500 We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You better over here! Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone
1: 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without autopay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: By the way, I haven't even told you that I've gone plant-based. Uh, oh, since... have you? Okay. Yeah, because I'm try- You know, constantly trying to tweak my diet and uh, right? make myself feel better. And
0: when did you go plant-based?
1: This was... June of last year. Okay. And again, like you make a change like that, and your body like feels like I felt that euphoric feeling that I was looking right. For. Oh, I love that. Yeah.
0: So are you completely vegan?
1: No, I'm not completely. And I hate the word vegan because vegan can mean like Oreo cookies.
0: Well, that's true. Girl Scout cookies, like Girl Scout thin mints, are vegan.
1: Yeah. I don't even look at that aisle. Like I don't even. Right. People offer me at work and I just like politely say no thanks. So
0: you're whole foods plant based?
1: Pretty much. And I'm actually on day 11 of no oil, which is crazy. Ooh, okay. That's crazy for someone who went to culinary school and the first step is to put oil in the pan and heat it up.
0: Yeah, that's true. You're right. So how are you feeling with that? I really do. You know, Melanie and I have been talking about this lately on the podcast, the whole idea of and this is on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast for anyone who doesn't listen to that one as well, the whole idea of you know the two ends of the spectrum. We've got the very low-carb side, but then we've got mm-hmm. the very low-fat side as well. And yeah. both sides, both communities have amazing health benefits coming out of their way of eating from the low-carb side to the low-fat side.
1: Yeah, and I went from the high-fat to the zero-fat. You know. Right. I'm just like constantly trying to experiment.
0: And, but you're feeling good with it?
1: I feel incredible. And I lost another eight pounds in like eight days. Yeah. That's
0: pretty awesome. See, I experimented. I haven't done low fat. I haven't done for, it's been a long time since I experimented with really a low fat way of eating. But I did try to go vegetarian briefly just to see how I felt. Yeah. And I I did miss the meat and brought it back in. But I did it for maybe a few weeks, right around December to January after Christmas, just to see how it felt.
1: Right. And I still eat meat now, you know, like if somebody right. offers me some and, or like, you know, I'll make a piece of salmon. Okay. I just love it.
0: But you're just gravitating towards the plant-based.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, I just, for some reason, it just feels amazing and it tastes amazing. And I don't know. I just, it's, I'm probably like a 90, 10, 90 percent. Okay.
0: Veggie. Well, keep listening to your body and you will know. I love a vegetarian meal. And that's why I wanted to try it just to see, because I love a vegetarian meal. And I'm like, well, I love to eat vegetarian. Maybe I would really love the way I felt if I stopped eating meat completely. But after a few weeks, I started like really thinking about meat and eyeing it and wanting it. And right. <laughs> then right. I had some. And I'm like, all right, hello, meat. You're back. So
1: me too. That's kind of the same way I am. I'm definitely an omnivore,
0: but I, I eat less of the meat. Like there's a lot of times that I will. My husband and I will each have the same size chicken breast on our plates, and I'll eat half of mine and then give the other half to him.
1: Yeah.
0: And he'll eat it. And I'm like, that's just, I've had enough. Like my body lets me know, all right, that was enough of that. Yeah. I've had enough. Now, can I ask you a chef question? Please. Pans. I am having a huge (laughs) struggle. I'm trying to figure (laughs) out. Do you get this a lot from home cooks?
1: Uh, I get a lot of questions, which is great. I love
0: it. Well, good. I'm struggling with what kind of frying pan that I want to use with my dinner every night. Like I right now, I have a. It's a nonstick all clad, but you know, I I'm sure I heat it up too high, mm-hmm. and it, you're not supposed to use a lot of olive oil with it, and I do, and so the coating has just started to look terrible. I've been using it for a few years, and so now it looks awful. Mm-hmm. So, but I really have trouble cooking in a stainless steel pan because stuff always sticks to it. Right. What kind of pan should I use? I also have, you know, an enameled cast iron, which I use a lot, but still stuff sticks in it.
1: Well, first of all, as soon as we are done talking, you need to go buy a cast iron pan.
0: Oh see, I'm not good at those. I I will try, but it's seasoning. I tried to get a cast iron pan and I couldn't season it and I was having so much trouble. So it's the proper seasoning, right?
1: Well, you know what? You could right out of the box. It works beautifully. And uh, just you don't, the way you clean it is with salt. Okay. Hot water. Okay. But those things are, they're going to outlast you. They're going to.
0: So just any large cast iron pan.
1: Yeah. And one that you, like the largest that you feel comfortable with because they're super heavy. They are heavy. But that's why, because they hold the heat perfectly and like they're good for everything you could fry in them you could you know the only thing you can't do is like saute like pick it up and saute with it but if you want to sear a steak there's nothing i would
0: that's the best way much rather have than a, a lodge all right i might try that again but from what i understand are they not as good for like like deglazing
1: or that sort of thing yeah maybe that that's what your stainless is for
0: Okay, so if a stain, if I want to do some deglazing, then a stainless pan.
1: Yeah, because, but you can also sear a steak in a stainless and then deglaze, and it'll pick up all the little bits off the bottom right? as well.
0: I'll try that and see. But is the secret to get it really hot before you stick the meat on there?
1: Yeah, for searing things like a steak, for sure, hot. Okay.
0: That, that'll keep it from sticking, right? Because that, that's always my problem. I'll put something on there, and then I'm like ripping up the pieces of it off the bottom of the pan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and is an all-clad stainless? Or a- well,
0: I don't have an all-clad stainless. I had hmm. an all-clad nonstick. And so the nonstick surface was, you know, but I've, I've now ruined it, I think, cooking too high of heat and also with a lot of olive oil. I think you're not supposed to do either of those things. Uh they say in a you're supposed to use a
1: neutral oil, like a uh, yeah. I, I use avocado oil
0: if that's okay. for
1: a neutral oil
0: in a non-stick pan. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: sure.
0: Well, I'll try. So you would recommend maybe an all-clad stainless?
1: All-clad stainless, and it should be expensive, and it should be like you should be able to hit your husband over the head with it, and like, okay, and his life.
0: Well, I will try that. I will try the the stainless first, and then I might go back and try the the cast iron. We shall see. But I had, you know, I was like, I'm going to do cast iron. And then I would like failed miserably. And I was like, why can I not do this? But that was several years ago. So maybe I'm ready.
1: The great thing about a stainless or a Cast cast iron is that they're like $15.
0: Right. That's true. I like gave them away to somebody, but I could just buy another one. It's not like... Going to yeah. hurt me to buy another one. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm in, inspired, but I was just doing some pan shopping and I was like, yeah. well, Dennis could tell me what to get. So
1: <laughs> cleaning right. with salt, cleaning with salt.
0: Okay. I'll, yeah. I will do that. Thank you for that. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Hmm. Well, we touched on it earlier and we said, you know, I said to baby step it, like, but everybody's yeah. going to be different, but. That's just personal experience. And like I said, the first day is like the only difficult day. Like getting started is like so difficult. But once you do, you'll be amazed at how amazing you feel.
0: Right. But don't expect to feel amazing day one, hour one.
1: (laughs) Right. Or maybe not even day two, but like you're going to feel amazing because you're like you're astounded as to like, wow, I actually skipped, I moved breakfast over an hour and I didn't die. Right. So I think getting started is like the most difficult, probably for any journey, I guess.
0: I think so. And, you know, keeping that positive mindset of I can do this. I think that's also so important because when people start off and they feel like this is going to be hard, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to try, but I don't think I can. Yeah, It's so much harder than if you're like, I can, I will, I am.
1: Yeah. And then you just build confidence like daily. Exactly. And, then, and then like, you know, a 10 hour, 12 hour fast doesn't seem ridiculous anymore.
0: Right. And you're just extending that nightly fast a little bit longer. And then before you know it, it's 8 p.m. and you're home from work and you're having, <laughs> <laughs> having your late night window.
1: And another piece of advice is I would say to journal or document somehow.
0: That's a great idea.
1: Because, like, you don't think of it at the time. Like, I, w- I would have loved to have taken photos of me doing push ups against the wall, you know, right. or against the kitchen sink when I couldn't do a push up back then. And, you know, to take photos of before and after photos. You know, like, I, I was terrified of cameras back then.
0: Yeah, absolutely on the photos because people will say a lot. Gosh, I wish I had taken the photos, but then they didn't because they they didn't want to see them. But then later they're like, "Man, I wish I had." So people starting off take those photos and take them in you know clothes that you can wear again along the way to show how those clothes fit right. you differently. Wear the same clothes as ridiculous
1: as it sounds. Like put that like. Medium shirt on that you don't fit into, yeah. and take a photo. But yeah. you don't really, you don't think about that at the time.
0: Yeah, that's really great advice. Well, Dennis, I have really enjoyed talking to you, and thank you for being here with us today.
1: My pleasure, Jen. Thank you.
0: Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories dot com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G I N at intermittentfastingstories dot com. intermittent fasting stories is edited mixed and mastered by resonate recordings to learn more visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at resonate recordings.com intermittent fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast